Good day, friends. This is Reiko Zek. Today is day number 30 of the One Year Bible. You're listening to Jesus in the Center One Year Bible Podcast. We're going to jump right in and look today at Exodus 10, 11, and part of 12, and Matthew chapter 20. In Exodus 10, it starts off with the Lord saying, So why am I doing all these plagues? And he says, To show and tell and know. I'm going to show my signs that you may tell your children in time to come and that you may know that I'm the Lord. The Lord wants us to not just believe in him blindly. He gives us reasons to believe in here. He gives us a lot of reasons. The Israelites have these so far. In chapter 10, there's been seven plagues on the the land of Egypt. And there's a couple more to go. And then the big one, the, the Passover, really Pharaoh against God. And we see it just goes over and over again. Uh, Moses goes in uh, on the eighth plague and he warns them that these locusts are going to come and eat whatever's left. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh's servants, they their hearts have been hardened, but they also have some common sense. And they say, how long shall this man be a snare to, to us? How long will this man destroy us? And so Pharaoh, let them go that they might serve Yahweh their God. Don't you get it that Egypt is ruined? They are so bold here. I don't think Pharaoh's servants would ever talk to him like this unless they see two things. One, that what they're saying is true. If he continues in this course, they will die. And the second thing is he is weak. He is power hungry, proud, and at the same time weak. He's leading his country to destruction. And so they step up to him. So Pharaoh calls Aaron and Moses back in and he negotiates with them. He says, all right, you go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and have a feast to the Lord. But uh, not all of you, just just uh, the men among you. And I wonder, you know, if all the men go out into the wilderness, what does Pharaoh have up his sleeve? The women and children are there alone. It'd be a perfect opportunity for Pharaoh's armies to go kill most of of the Israelites. So Moses says, nope, that's not going to happen. All of us are going to go. Pharaoh is angry and the locusts come and Pharaoh pretends like he's repentant. He says, I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please only this once and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. This death, by the way, no one has died he, he, I think he's saying this death of my reign, my reign over Egypt is dead. It's going horribly. And I would rather die than live through these plagues. He's not really repentant though, because verse 20 says, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people of Israel go. Even after this plague, he, he pleads for forgiveness and uh, for things to get better, but he still doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Let my people go. It's not that hard. He wants to hold on to his power. All right, then there's the ninth plague, this deep darkness. And just want to think for a second. It's dark throughout the whole land. Everywhere, it's, it's a deep darkness that can be felt. And when this was translated into the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, they added, to try to clarify what the Hebrew word here, they added a word like two words for darkness and one word for storm. It was this swirling darkness. It was creepy. Everyone was experiencing it except those who were in the land of Goshen, a picture of reality. There is deep darkness throughout the world, and yet in the church, God's people, we are to have this light among us. It's pretty cool. Pharaoh 
comes again and wants to negotiate and says, okay, you all can go, go ahead, but not your flocks, not your herds. Leave your goats and sheep and your cows and your oxen. Don't take them. He's still negotiating after nine plagues, after nine devastating calamities. He still wants to negotiate. And uh, no, no, we are going to take all of us. So the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And again, we've been talking about this mystery between, you know, who, why is Pharaoh's heart hard? Is it because he hardened his heart or the Lord hardened his heart? And the answer is yes. There, there are 10 occasions where it says the Lord hardened his heart and 10 occasions where it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. He refused. So it's, it's a mystery. God let him go where he wanted to go. God did harden his heart uh, to show that we all need God's mercy. Well, anyway, we get to the chapter 11, and there's the announcement of Passover. There's the announcement that you will all go out, and in fact, uh, you need to ask of your neighbors gold and silver and all these things. And I don't understand this. This is kind of crazy. Uh, it says that the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great or very well thought of in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. How is it that that Moses and and the Israelites could be well thought of? I think they are I think they must be humble. Yes, they're saying let my people go that we might go out to the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord. Yeah, they're they're demanding to be let go. They're demanding their freedom, but they they are not doing it in a, a proud, arrogant, bitter way. They are firm and confident, and yet they're humble. It must be that. And it's just God's hand on them. We come to chapter 12, and this is, this is the, in many ways, the pinnacle of, of uh, the Old Testament, the Passover. This is the first time the Passover would be celebrated. And it's almost like a holy day, right? They're, he's giving them these instructions to get the lamb. It could be a goat or a sheep young lamb, get it on the 10th day of the month, uh, which will be the first month of the year, by the way, get it on the 10th day and keep it until the 14th day. This is almost like a holy week. And then at the end of that week, on the 14th day at at midnight or at twilight, uh, you will, when you will kill your lamb and, and then you will eat your lamb with a, as a celebration you will take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses. Why is it that the, and it shall be roasted and all these instructions, you shall eat it in haste, ready to run out because on this first Passover, they did have to be ready to run out. They had their shoes on. They had their staff in their hand. They were ready to go at a moment's notice. And so looking back over all the Passovers, we remember we're to be ready at a moment's notice. We are to remember that we are eating the lamb. Now, this is, if this is not a sign of, of Jesus, nothing is. I like verse 11. It says, It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Now, you might think, why beast? Well, as it, as it says in the next sentence, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. This is a, a supreme battle played out in time against the true God and all the false gods. We could say the demons that that show up as a god to be worshipped. And these plagues, these nine plagues so far, have each of them have been against one or, or more gods of Egypt that was worshipped. The last one, the, the darkness, was against 
the god Ra, sun god. And so this is a battle against the true god and against the false gods. And so why the beasts, why are the beasts killed? Because some of the beasts were sacred uh, to the gods. For instance, the god uh, Apis was a cow god. The god uh, Mendes was a goat god. The Lord is striking down the false gods so that everyone will know that he is the true God. That's the idea. And then it says, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the blood is a sign. It's a sign for you. And the lamb is to be eaten. It says in the New Testament, we know this many places, 1 Corinthians 5, it says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. John chapter 19, in many different ways, describes Jesus as the Passover lamb. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. But to suffice it, suffice it to say that the blood on our doorpost, the blood of the lamb, saves us from the wrath of God, from the destruction of the false gods. Well, ponder that a while. We'll flip over to Matthew. There's the, the, did you like it? The story of the laborers in the vineyard. The master calls workers. Some are chosen first and they are given generously. Here, I got a job for you. I'll give you a denarius for the work for the day. And they go out and work all day. And, and then some are called later. Some are called, you know, throughout the day. And they're not told how much they'll be paid, but it's assumed, of course, they'll get less, especially those uh, chosen at the almost final hour. They're coming at sunset, right before the paycheck is collected. And each of them are, are given the same. In fact, uh, the, the Lord, the Master, wants it all to be shown that they all get the same. The ones who came last get paid first. Jesus is telling us that, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of pay. You're all just given. In fact, here the, the Master says, uh, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. The, the kingdom of God is not something that you work yourself into. Yes, Jesus is describing the kingdom here as, as signing up for the work of the day. But it's also a gift. It is a matter of generosity. If the master doesn't call, and hire you, you go idle, you go without. And the master loves to call. And is there work in the kingdom? Yes, we take up our yoke, but it is a yoke, as Jesus says in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's a yoke that gives you rest. His burden is light, or we could say his burden is lightness. It is a, a free yoke, just like we'll see in the Exodus. The people go out in haste, but is it hard? No. I mean, yes, it's hard. It's not easy to flee uh, from the terrors of the world. It's not easy to flee from Pharaoh's army. But is it good? Is it lightness? Yeah. And so that's what Jesus says here. I have in my Bible just this note about work and to be underworked or idle. That is not good. To be overworked, we can get bitter or grumble. But what a joy to find the right work where we are yoked to Jesus. All right, so remember that question I just said, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? That question is answered. It's left hanging in the parable, but that question is answered in the very next, the paragraph that follows this. God can do what he wants 
with what is his. What is supremely his is his son, his son, our Lord Jesus. And so Jesus describes what God is going to do with what is his. And he says, he tells us about his death as he was going up to Jerusalem. And this is the fourth time in, uh, in Matthew in the last few chapters where Jesus is telling us that he will die and rise. And so he takes his 12 disciples aside and he tells them, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. And of course, they still don't seem to get it. And then we have this story when they're on the road. They're literally on the road going to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to die, and they don't hear it. And then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the mother of James and John, comes up and and kneels down before him. She is, in some sense, worshiping him, but it is, it is a false worship. It is a, it is a prayer that is selfish, and, and it won't be answered. Not in the way she wants. Jesus asks her, what do you want? She says, well, say that these two sons of mine, my, my good boys, James and John, that they are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. She apparently didn't hear Jesus tell the 12 disciples, hey, when we go up, they're going to kill me. I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to die. And I will be raised again. She didn't hear all that. So Jesus tells her, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? And they, James and John, said to him, we're able. They don't know what they're, they don't know what they're saying. And he did say to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to grant. Think for a moment, when Jesus comes in his kingdom, in some sense, that's when he is lifted up on the cross. He's not lifted up in the way that we might think. And who is on his right and left, that's already, that's already been assigned. It is, it is two thieves. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. And Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the apex, The this is an important verse in this gospel. This is why it says that Jesus must go to Jerusalem, because he has come to serve. He has not come to be served as the kings of the earth are served as we see Pharaoh serving himself with his power. No, he comes to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That word ransom is the same root, both in Greek and in Hebrew, uh, that with the word redeem, ransom and redeem. It's the idea of buying a slave and setting them free. And this is what the Lord said he would do with the Exodus. I have come down to redeem my people. That word is sprinkled all over Exodus that we've been reading. And we see in Exodus that that, that ransom is the blood of, of the lamb that is put on the doorposts so that the Lord would pass over the houses that had the blood covered on it. Jesus is the lamb of God, the Passover lamb of God who gives his life as a ransom for many. We might think here ransom for many. I guess he he didn't die for all. This many is a Hebrew many. It's a, as opposed to the few. It is an equivalent to all. Check out Isaiah chapter 53. It's 
it's poetic, and he's drawing on that language there in Isaiah 53 that shows that he dies not for just a few, not for the best, but for all. Well, thanks be to God today that Jesus has come to do this and come to set us straight. And James and John themselves, they don't get it. The disciples don't get it. Jesus has to keep pulling them aside and saying, in my kingdom, we serve. In my kingdom, we give. In my kingdom, in my kingdom, you will be great. And you will be great by putting others first. You'll do that because I do that for you. Lots to think about today. I encourage you to keep reading the Psalms like this. Psalm 25, in you, Jesus Christ, my God, I put my trust. Where you see the word Lord in in the Psalms, for the most part, you can pray Jesus, Jesus Christ. And we'll, we'll finish with this, Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. One quick note about these Proverbs. They are not necessarily promises. Some maybe, but most of them are just This is how the world works. If you fall asleep, if this is how you live your life, full of slumber, if you're walking around with your hands folded, in other words, if you're not like the ant, if you're not getting on it and getting it done, well, at some point, it's going to catch up to you. That's what these Proverbs are. And it's advice about how to live a good life. Now, there are exceptions to this, but these the Proverbs are the general rule. So you might think, well, where are the exceptions treated? Well, that is, that's in Ecclesiastes. And in Job, those books answer the question, well, what happens when when God doesn't bless the hard workers? When someone works hard and it doesn't work out for them and they die young and their stuff goes to somebody else who didn't work for it? Well, those exceptions are handled in Job and Ecclesiastes. So uh, we'll turn our, our attention to those down the road. Thank you for joining me. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.